Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Before we jump into today's show, uh, we are going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and unpack the issues of the day. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. And, oh my gosh, where do we begin? So on today's show, we're going to talk some more about the Massachusetts Republican Party. We're going to talk about people who have weighed in on the status, if you will, uh, of the Republican Party, how it's doing and how leadership is presenting itself and carrying itself. Uh, I also want to talk about, uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, anti-Semitism, and uh, we'll try to get to another one or two issues. But uh, let's first uh, get into the Massachusetts Republican Party. So I <laughs> I don't know. I could probably do a whole season <laughs> on the Massachusetts Republican Party. I, you know, for those of you who listen to me faithfully, I am so very grateful. Thank you so much. Uh, you know that I have spent the last few weeks uh, devoting a considerable amount of time to talking about what is going on and what is not going on with the Massachusetts Republican Party. And I always frame my commentary as a kind of a plaintive, cry, if you will. We really need uh, a two-party system. We really need to have choice. We really need uh, to have, I guess Charlie Baker's calling it collaborative friction. friction. Uh, and I think, I think that that's true. We do need that push and pull of ideas. And it's when you have, as I've seemingly repeatedly have said, when you have a two-party system or something approaching it, both parties have to be on their guard. As it currently stands, if you live in this part of the state, once you have 
been elected to a particular office, you generally have that seat for as long as you want, Um, particularly if we're talking about being a state representative or a state senator. And if someone is doing his or her job, it's not an issue. But because the person doesn't have to fear being challenged, because the person or or people, uh, elected officials in this part of the the state in particular, don't have to fear uh, being held accountable, they just can kind of do whatever they want. Now, fortunately, there are some good elected officials uh, state rep- representatives and state senators in this part of the state. And there are, we do right here in Boston have some very good city councilors. We also have some city councilors who are decidedly um, not so good, but we, we certainly have some uh, city councilors who, who understand uh, what the job that they're holding, uh, what it entails, their responsibilities, their duties vis-a-vis their constituents. So it's, it's, um, it's heartening to see that there is some kind of representation. Now, of course, at city council level, it's nonpartisan, but all the councilors are Democratic. But, you know, as a Republican in this Particularly, again, I keep on saying particularly, but it, it, that really is the, the the choice word. In this part of the state, it's probably the closest thing that we're going to come to having any kind of real representation. And it shouldn't be like that. And it angers me. I have seen some commentary that Howie Carr has made regarding the current leadership of the Massachusetts Republican Party and the hypocrisy of of some of the players. And I read through it all and I said, my goodness, I completely agree. The thing is, is I had said the same thing, same things, 2020. I dearly wish Howie Carr, and I'm, and I'm not looking to knock Howie Carr. I mean, I'm, I don't really want to disparage him. So I'll try to frame my thoughts diplomatically. I really wish that he would have been able to speak up or that he had spoken up in 2020. In 2020, what I said was that Jim Lyons was acting in a way that wasn't befitting a party chair. I had noted some irregularities (laughs) in the way in which the Massachusetts Republican Party was operating. I... For instance, I spoke to Jim Lyons getting involved in races 
before the primary had taken place. And in doing that was picking winners and losers. Now, of course, I say of course, but a lot of people don't necessarily know this. If there is a primary, the party is not supposed to get involved. So the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, and I would imagine it's the same, you know, throughout the country, right? I I don't imagine that there's uh, really much of a difference from one state to the next. If there's a primary in principle, the party is supposed to not intervene. The party is not supposed to choose a candidate. What happens, I mean, obviously, there are going to be some candidates who benefit from maybe more support. I have no doubt, and I guess to a certain extent it's it's normal that a party chair is going to have a preference, maybe even a strong preference. But in the capacity of party chair, especially the party chair, he or she is supposed to refrain from picking this candidate or that candidate um, or maybe a third or fourth candidate, although Normally, here in Massachusetts, we have one or two, we have one candidate maybe for a particular seat or maybe two. The point is, is that it's, 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 a, it's a question of bylaws. It's a matter of bylaws. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not that it's not feasible or it's, 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 oh, it's, it's bad PR, it's bad politics. It's this, it's this. No, it's, it's not something that is permitted. You cannot, as party chair and the rest of the party leadership, cannot intervene in a primary. And so we see that Anthony Amore, who is the candidate for the Republican uh, nominee for state auditor, we see that he is being hamstrung. Other attempts to do that by Jim Lyons and his team. And a lot of people have, you know, even people outside of the party have said, oh, you know, that's, that's disgusting, that's disgraceful, that's despicable. And that leads me back to Howie. I mean, Howie's commenting on that, too. I would like to remind people that the same thing happened to me. The fact that I didn't have the backing of Charlie Baker doesn't make the sabotage of my campaign, the sabotage that took place, it doesn't make it any less regrettable. It doesn't make it any less disgusting. The fact that I was running in a race that was heavily, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, heavily favorable uh, for, for Democrats, again, it doesn't make it any less shameful. And 
I, you know, I, I, I myself think that it's horrible that the party has been doing a number of things that are petty, that have been reported on. So it's not just me just kind of throwing out statements and, as I always like to say, shouting into the ab- abyss. Um, no, it's 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 actually petty occurrences that have been reported on. And, and these are all calculated to undermine Anthony. So, for instance, um, putting out push cards and or putting out, uh, you know, uh, you know, sending out an email. And Anthony, Anthony's name is absent from the list of candidates that the GOP is encouraging uh, the party faithful to support. It really is despicable. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to remind people of this, that when I was running for the 7th congressional seat, Jim Lyons never referred to me. Never. Whereas he had referred to Anthony in the past, he had never, ever referred to me during the 2020 7th Congressional District race. It was literally like I wasn't running. And because I didn't make the ballot, not that anyone else did either, but because no one made the ballot, the party had a greater ability to manipulate the situation. And, you know, of course... You know, you have to you have to pick your words carefully. And if someone calls you on something, you have to be ready to show proof. And that I certainly can do. Um, but I can certainly, you know, just tell people, you know, they can, should they wish, they can just simply Google. <laughs> Um, the articles that were written about Rayla Campbell that year. So she was the other, she was, it was, it was, we were the two main, uh, main candidates. When I say main, it was, we were the candidates that were doing, well, she wasn't doing any work, but uh, generating the most talk. Uh, There was another candidate, um, but she didn't do a whole lot. In fact, uh, I don't. I don't think a lot of people even knew that she was running. Um, and this is a regular occurrence. But I, I, that's, you know, her her strategy or lack thereof uh, is, is 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 another story for another time. But not once was I mentioned when Jim Lyons was talking about the 7th Congressional District race in 2020, he never mentioned my name. And if you look in the Boston Herald, if you look in the New Boston Post, if you, um, which is New Boston Post is uh, really, it's, it it leans, it's a conservative uh, publication and it, it, it wants to rival uh, the two uh, 
city dailies, and I think it has a ways to go. Uh, And I say that because the journalist, uh, at least one in particular, uh, there's just no no even, it's not even like a veneer. There's not even a veneer of... um, of objectivity. I mean, there, there's just literally no effort that is made. But absolutely no mention was made of me. And I remember reading on more than one occasion that Rayla was the only candidate in this race. And it was very, it was maddening, infuriating. But it was also very sad because it's the idea that your own party is trying to sabotage you. And I will tell listeners that had I not stood up in 2020 to run against Diana Presley, there would have been no Rayla Campbell. There would have been no anyone. You can take that to the bank. And because I had plans to run, of course, the Massachusetts Republican Party found someone else to run, Donnie Palmer. I eventually chose not to run. I'm focusing on my career now. And I'm taking some time to focus on me uh, and kind of pursuing, yes, um, my professional ambitions, but also um, some passions of mine. Uh, I think I earned it. Uh, At the very least, I think that the time that I'm taking to do this uh, will make me more attractive later, should I decide to run. And and we'll see if that happens or ever happens. Uh, We'll see what the future holds. But I wish... Howie Carr had spoken up in 2020. And so not only did I say that, again, Jim Lyons was corrupt, and I just gave a very specific reason for intervening in a primary or trying to sabotage uh, the candidacy even when there's not a primary, but also... The, hypo- the, the hypocrisy, the, the massive hypocrisy of <laughs> the Massachusetts Republican Party and the people that have chosen to align themselves with Jim Lyons. In 2014, at the state party convention, I go every four years, by the way, I seconded the nomination of the Tea Party challenger opponent uh, to Charlie Baker, Mark Fish. I seconded Mark Fish's nomination. And let me tell you, the most vocal critics of Charlie today, Jim Lyons, Jeff Deal, Todd Taylor, all these different people. Todd Taylor is uh, a city councilor in Chelsea who's running for Um, a state rep seat in a newly created district. It's mostly Chelsea and a little bit of Everett. Um, 
And then, of course, Jeff Deal is running for governor and Jim Lyons, of course, is, the, as I've said, the chair of the party. Uh, for those of you who might be a little less familiar with Massachusetts politics. So I know that all these people were big Charlie Baker supporters. Now, you know, that they're critics now, now that they're, you know, these very vocal detractors, it's it's amusing to say the least. The hypocrisy is real. And so you have reporter, Boston Herald reporter Joe Battenfeld, and I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, and I'll speak to that uh, one time. Uh, not in tonight's show, but I'll, I'll go into detail uh, why I'm not a fan. But I'll share a little bit tonight. He, you know, wrote a piece in the Herald about Republicans need to put their petty differences aside and just be and put on a united front. And it's like, if Joe Battenfeld really believes that this is about pettiness, then I I really question how he's been able to build a career as a political writer, as a political journalist. To be that out of touch, to have that bad, horrendous of a take. This has nothing to do with pettiness. And I'll say this until until I'm blue in the face. This also has nothing to do with conservative versus moderate. But the journalists, many of the journalists here in Boston and beyond, they absolutely adore the narrative conservative versus moderate. So, of course, Lyons helms the conservative flank of the party, and Charlie Baker, of course, is the king of the moderate uh, faction. And and the truth is, this has nothing to do with conservatives versus moderates. Uh, this is just about an internal struggle for power. That is it. That is it. It's, it's, it, and, and, and to try to sabotage someone's campaign, With, with COVID and me not getting on the ballot, which in part was attributable to the party, but between COVID and my own party working against me, my campaign in terms of votes, yeah, I was sabotaged. Yes, I was kneecapped. Absolutely. That's not... Petty Joe Battenfeld, that's malicious, that's mean. And while we don't expect this little house on the prairie scenario, when we do enter the political fray, there are still some parameters. There are still some lines that if they're crossed, most people are going to say, wait a minute, that 
can't become the norm. That can't ever be considered acceptable, and we can't start to tolerate that. But I keep on coming back to Howie Carr, right? You know, so he talked about Jim Lyons and Jim Lyons essentially being corrupt and he and those who are aligned with him really like it's they all say the same thing. They all think the same thing, but that that's it. If you are aligned with Jim Lyons, you have to say what he says. You have to think the way he thinks. And so I likened those who are aligned with him to lemons. The idea is that, you know, you're talking about people who are ready to go over the cliff with someone. And there's no plan and there's no thought. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's lunacy. Howie Carr, for his part, and speaking to that very point, Liken Jim Lyons to a cult, the cult leader Jim Jones. Again, I have said consistently, and I point to the 2014 State Party Convention, when I got up there to second the nomination of Mark Fisher, when I tell you that I was facing down a crowd that was fairly hostile, I mean that I was facing down a crowd fairly hostile. And that was one of the reasons why to get an okay, as in you did okay, I had to blow the roof off the arena for people to even say that I had done all right or okay. It was tough. It was tough. But Mark, he, <laughs> we got him on the ballot. Uh, we, 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 got, we got him uh, the necessary uh, percentage of delegates. So, you know, and, and between that and, and him having gotten the, the requested number of signatures, he was on the ballot for September. But it wasn't easy. And I'll never stop saying this, to see those same people now just rip Charlie Baker to shreds, it's, it's astonishing to me. And a lot of these people, I'll add that they were big Charlie Baker fans until very recently, as recently as 2018, 2019. A lot of these same people still thought Charlie Baker was wonderful. Well, Howie Carr made the same point. This is the long and short of it. We need new leadership. And we also have to ask ourselves questions because I appreciate people now see Jim Lyons, his let me be diplomatic, uh, his style uh, for what it is, and that is uh, a non-conducive method of 
obtaining various goals, <laughs> a non you know non conducive to to building uh, partnerships, um, growing the base, and of course actually attaining said goals. But it must be said that for a long time he and a lot of these other people. They were they were considered big players in the party. And I just I don't understand. Because you have some people who thought for themselves and they were ostracized. And they were deliberately ignored. Whereas people like Lyons and some of the candidates whom he's backing, they're terrible. They're execrable. They say the most horrible things. They comport themselves in the most appalling manner. Yet again, Jim Lyons was considered a major player. His bona fides were never questioned. His credibility was never questioned. So this isn't about we need new leadership. It goes well beyond that. We need to have a discussion about how such people ever came to power and why such people were never called out for their very bad and unacceptable behavior. So I want to move on. Uh, you know I'll continue to talk about this subject, but I do want to move on. Uh, I do want to talk about anti-Semitism a little bit. I definitely do. And then I said I wanted to talk about one or two other subjects, and uh, I do want to get to that as well. And uh, those uh, topics are topic in question is Columbus Day and the celebration of Italian heritage. And so I really do want to get to that in today's show. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go right into the second topic. And like I said, we will uh, discuss, we will spend some time discussing Columbus Day and the celebrations, the parade uh, that are associated with uh, associated with that day here in Boston. But again, let's go to that break. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and of course, you are uh, listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So, I, I again, I, you know, when it comes to anti-Semitism, I, I feel like I feel like actually with a lot of topics that I discuss, I have to repeat myself because, you know, a lot of things, a lot of a lot of insight or 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 a commentary that can be made. uh, One would think that it is uh, intuitive. It's uh, common sense. Maybe it's. It, it it shouldn't even be said because it should just be understood. Uh, you know, the latest, latest incident, or should I say the latest incident to really get people talking uh, comes from Kanye West. And I'm going to say this. I think that on occasion, Kanye West has made some insightful comments about race relations, power structures. And I can understand why people on the political right would appreciate him. Having said all that, I'll also say this. It's not because someone famous says something or several somethings that you like, that you approve of, that you should be ready to put this person on a pedestal. And I think that that's definitely what has happened with Kanye West, but not just him, uh, Candace Owens and a number of other people. I will say this, I do feel like with Kanye West, I feel like with him, what he says comes from a place of conviction. And what I'm about to share, um, you know, given that I do believe that, I find uh, his remarks uh, particularly uh, disturbing and alarming, that much more disturbing and alarming. Uh, I find Candace Owens, and I'll touch briefly uh, on the subject of Miss Owens, uh, in just a bit, I find her uh, to be someone who talks from from a point of political and financial expediency. I'm not a fan, never have been a fan, and never will be a fan. And I'll get to that in just a bit. So, on... Friday, 
So just, you know, you know, as the weekend was getting started, as the week was coming to a close, Kanye West, well, I guess I keep on calling him Kanye West, but I guess he's yay. Uh, He sent uh, an Instagram post and he suggested that fellow musician Sean Diddy Combs was controlled by Jewish people. Now, this is an anti-Semitic trope. I don't feel like debating this. I don't feel like unpacking this. I don't feel like leaning in with someone and and having like this the, this group discussion and then trying to pull from the group dynamics a a a, a fresh perspective. It's anti-Semitic. It's anti-Semitic, this idea that Jews are in control of these different industries, that they are controlling people. Do you, th- this is an anti-Semitic trope. And incidentally, this was an anti-Semitic trope um, that was peddled by Jamal Crawford, And some people in Boston, a lot of people in Boston know him. Those who are outside of Boston who, again, might be not only less familiar with, uh, you know, the the names of the different candidates here, but they also might be less familiar with the players. And Jamal Crawford's been around for a very long time. And he used to be a new member of the New Black Panthers. And he has some very radical and I think uh, unsettling ideas. And he's not someone that I would be referencing or, um, you know, or whose work, I should, I should uh, phrase it like that, or whose work that I would be sharing. I, I don't, I don't like Jamal Crawford, what he stands for. I, I, I think he's an anti-Semite. I've let him know this, of course, um, because he has a song out, and it's an old song, but over the years he has made remarks that reveal that he still holds these beliefs. So he made a song called Zionist Money, and it's very hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. It's very anti-Semitic in nature, and part of it does refer to different black entertainers who are being, according to Mr. Crawford, they're being controlled by Jewish people. So, you know, Kanye said this, um, and he, you know, he suggested that, you know, Sean Diddy Combs was, you know, one of these people. And I guess he subsequently on another, so that was Instagram, subsequently he uh, used a Twitter platform and, or he was welcomed back to the Twitter platform and he, uh, I don't know if he had been suspended or, or maybe he just stopped using it. Maybe he had deleted his account or maybe maybe deactivated. I, I don't know. But 
Apparently, he was welcomed back by Elon Musk. Um, And shortly thereafter, he posted another comment that was the anti very anti-Semitic in nature. And he said that he would go death con three on Jewish people. And he put Jewish people in big letters. And I just, I don't want to hear any excuses. So, you know, of course, some people are going to be referring to Kanye's, Ye's, uh, well-publicized, mental health problems. And let me say this, speaking generally, I feel for people who have mental health issues. I feel for people who have members of their family who are suffering from mental health issues. Or it it could be someone that he has mental health issues of his own, and then maybe a member or members of his family do as well. Mental health and the importance of it is is so <laughs> it's it's so critical that it's discussed, that it's understood, and that there are steps to take taken to not address problems, but to make sure that we're doing what we can to prevent problems from occurring as much as possible. So in other words, we don't react, but we be a little proactive, right? So some people are going to refer to, and they have, to Kanye West's mental health issues. And I'm sorry, but that has nothing to do with the time of day because a lot of people, it's it's not uncommon to hear about someone having mental health issues. That's not an excuse to spew hatred, to display bigotry it's being being in need of assistance to take care of oneself from a, a, a mental and emotional perspective that doesn't it doesn't translate into bigotry that doesn't translate into hatred having those problems doesn't mean that that person's hateful that's what i'm trying to say and to suggest otherwise is is highly, highly offensive. Having hateful attitudes and having mental health issues are not the same thing at all. So there's that. But you've had people who've tried to explain. So step forward, Candace Owens. And... Candace Owens has made a career out of being, you know, and the way I framed it or phrased it is the black person who's not afraid to say what everyone's privately thinking. I, you know, I think that if someone has 
ideas that are more on the political ideological right, that's fine. I think if someone has ideas that are more on the political ideological left, that's fine too. The problem is that some people, because we have, you know, we have biases of our own, we often, or a lot of people associate certain ideas with certain people. And those people can look a certain way. And so when there's someone who stands up that doesn't look like those people and has those views, people are like, oh, and it's it's become a moneymaker. And I'll talk to that. It's 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 complex. It's it's a complex discussion, it's a nuanced discussion. Um, but I think it's an important one to have. But I think that she has made uh, a considerable amount of money by being and saying what people don't expect, given what she looks like. And, of course, that's absurd because if you just get out there and talk to people, you you find that people come in all shapes, sizes, and colors and have many different points of view. You know, the idea that people want to uh, attribute certain ideologies to people based on who they are, uh, what their gender is. I mean, it's it's just all sad. But again, that's a discussion for another time. A complex, difficult one, a multidimensional one, one that requires um, some nuance and, and uh, hopefully what will be uh, a light touch. Um, that That's what I hope to... to uh, to do with that. Um, but she tried to explain, you know, oh, well, I didn't know, you know, did you know? I didn't know what it meant. I, you know, let's ask questions, knee-jerk reactions. And it's like, well, okay, there are some instances where we do have a knee-jerk reaction. But then there are other times when things are just offensive. And when we accuse people of being too sensitive. And when we accuse people of of reacting, you know, it's an oh, that's just a knee-jerk reaction. We are diminishing the real hurt that some people have done. And and in this instance, we're also normalizing anti-Semitism. We're helping to mainstream it. Because someone can say something, and then there'll be someone to say, but but aren't we just being like, I mean, if, if we say the word Jew, I mean, everyone is just, you know, it's like we can't say that. So Candace Owens, I you know, I watched a clip of her trying to explain away what uh, Kanye West had said, had tweeted, had posted, um, posted, you know, on Instagram, then tweeted. And I just, I just sat there listening to her, and I just said, you know what? There's a very good reason why I've never been a fan of this woman. I, I think that, I think that because she can string two sentences together, and I guess in this day and age, I guess a number of people might not be as, or who might not be able to do that as easily. I, I don't know. I mean, 
I mean, it's I'm I'm trying to look for an explanation for her success. I mean, already obviously having the views that she does, there is a niche for that, if you will, in the political political world. There is that niche, but for her to have, re- uh, have reached attain the heights that she did, it's just I don't know. I guess that she has more of a facility to put her thoughts together, to verbalize what, she, what what is running through her mind. So I guess that has contributed to her success. But really, uh, she's no William Buckley. <laughs> she's no, may he rest in peace, uh, certainly no Thomas Sowell. Uh, you know, this this isn't a great intellectual, really. It's not. And I'll be very interested to see how her boss, um, Ben Shapiro, reacts because, uh, you know, she's expressing this, and I believe it was on his platform. Um, You know, she has a show, and uh, she does some other things for him. But, you know, it's like you have a boss who's very... He's he's openly, openly, proudly Jewish. Uh, it's not something that people hide. Well, for the most part. So that's why I kind of hesitated, you know, saying openly. So what I'll say is he's very proudly Jewish. He's very vocal about it. So it's going to be interesting to see how he then handles Candace Owens. But I think that something needs to be said because her attempt to explain away what Ye meant and what was what was in his what was in his heart, shame on her. I mean, she's just she's vile. <laughs> she's vile, and that's just that's just it. Now, the last topic I want to get into, and we have about six and a half, seven minutes or so left in the show, and I can talk more about this next week or in the weeks to come, uh, Columbus Day. Now, with that, you know, with Columbus Day, there was some accounts that were taken that presented Columbus in a different light, and a light that surely wasn't flattering. And without discussion, without any kind of debate, decisions were made. And I think that this 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 idea that, well, we're doing this because look what he did to the Indians. These same people do not do anything for the Indians today. I can tell you that the different Indian communities in and around Boston, they're fairly scattered. They're fairly scattered. They don't necessarily, there's not necessarily a lot of unity and more needs to be done to teach the different 
uh, communities, uh, you know, all the people that have tribal membership, you know, there's a lot more that needs to be done to really kind of have them understand their, their culture, their history, make sure that they know their culture and history. It's, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. I'm looking forward to seeing more unity. I would like to see uh, the Indian community, um, uh, you know, American Indian community, uh, uh, Native American community. I'd like to see them be able to flex more. I'd like them to be able, you know, to, you know, for those outside of the Native American community, I'd like for them to be able to say, well, here here are different aspects of the overall culture, um, but, you know, obviously there are differences from one tribe to the next. Uh, there might be some different beliefs, and, and these are what they are. Um, but again, there, there, there needs to be efforts underway so that people who do claim Native American heritage, that they themselves know more about their culture and their origins. So it's kind of wild for me to listen to the people who haven't bothered to sit down and talk about Christopher Columbus to say, well, it's Look what they did to the look what he did to the Indians. Look what he did to the Native Americans. Look, look. The indigenous peoples. And it's like, okay. So you're worried about concerned about alarmed over, not alarmed, but um disgusted, disturbed by what these new accounts reveal Christopher Columbus has done may have done. What are you doing about, or what are you doing for the indigenous communities today? You can't get an answer for that. But let me just say this. No decision should have been made about this day and the different festivities that are associated with it that have historically taken place near or on the day without input from everyone. You know, certainly the community, the Italian community, and and just an overall broader discussion, you know, an overall broader discussion that invites different people. But certainly the Italian community should have been at the table. And and I want to talk about this more because this is a very nuanced uh, discussion, I think. I'm using that word again. But I, I think that it's, it's a discussion that needs to be had, and it needs to be had with intelligence, with empathy, with understanding, a real understanding of history, and what Italians 
have faced in terms of discrimination and what they've overcome and what they've contributed. And above all, what needs to be remembered is that the Italian community has done tremendous things and they, like any other community, Italians deserve to be proud of who they are and where they come from. But I'm going to be talking more about this uh, on the next show, next shows, next few shows to come, because it's really a discussion that needs to be had, but hasn't been had. And on that note, I'm going to say goodbye, and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708. 3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.